Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other mediums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Revival. Welcome back. My name is Roman Hamilton. If you haven't already liked us on Facebook, you can check us out on Truth Revival 37385. We're on pretty much every major platform, so we would appreciate you following our podcast, liking it, subscribing to it, sharing it, all that jazz. With me today is Paul Chapman. Mr. Paul Chapman. This is going to be our book review. We're going to be having some book discussion. We're going to get into what that is here in just a minute. Before we do that, we're going to introduce all of our panel. We've also got Miss Sherry Raby. She's back. She's yes. back. And also we have Miss Missy Carter. Miss Missy <laughs> <laughs> Carter. And there's somebody I've been waiting a long time to have on the show. She's a hard one to book. That is my wife. Corey Hamilton. Corey Hamilton. The love of my life. So here we go. The author is John Eldridge. And one of the descriptions of the book is discovering the secret of a man's soul. This is a New York Times bestseller. You're going to find out that our panel is split on their thoughts and opinions on the book. But in summary, Wild at Heart invites men to rediscover their masculine heart as we have been defined in the image of a passionate God. And he also invites women to discover the secret of a man's soul, to delight in his strength and the wildness of men that we were created to accomplish together. So, Sherry, just real quick, tell us your brief experience with men, the men in your life. You know, are your men tame or are they wild at heart? I would say wild at heart. Is that how you would describe Carson? <laughs> Probably, yes. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I raised one son, Will, and three daughters. So, uh, you know, I got a little different perspective. And definitely Will was different, even though I already had two daughters when we had Will. Yeah, it was different. Uh, you know, Sherry, you saying that right off the bat. I had my first interaction with a student, Missy, who identified as non-binary. Or basically to say, I'm just a person and I haven't decided if I'm a boy or a girl yet. Sherry, would you say that there is a difference between boys and girls? I would definitely. And I didn't do anything different really starting out with Will than I did the girls. But right off the bat, you know, you he can, liked his army men. He liked his guns. He liked, you know, he just liked being macho right off the bat. I think it's clear that there's a difference between boys and girls. Okay. Missy, you've got a little bit of experience with boys, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Um, I have four boys and my husband, of course. So I live in a home with five men. So this book struck They're a not chord. boys anymore, are they? <laughs> no, they're growing up. Boys to men. Yes. That's, <laughs> that should be the summary of the Carter household, yeah. boys to men. <laughs> so this book, is, this book struck a chord with me um, because I live, I live the, the male 
driven home and life, and I've had to uh, navigate that world deeply. So, would you say you've survived? I am a survivor. <laughs> she's a fighter. She's a <laughs> Corey. What about you? I know you have a great husband, but what about your kids? <laughs> yes, we have three young boys. They're um, 12, 11, and five. So we just we just started kindergarten with our baby, and they are all boy. They're climbing the walls, literally busting holes. How many holes have we had patched in our sheetrock? <laughs> so many. <laughs> oh, and windows. We've busted out quite a few windows. Um, so, yeah. There's, there's definitely boys running around. We're not, we've not got to the men stage yet, Missy. <laughs> We're still in the, the boy stage. The boy stage. All right, Paul. How about you? You've got two sons. Yes. Mm. Tell us about your experience with boys. <sighs> well, I think I get a redo. Because my oldest son will be 19 next week, and my youngest son just turned three. So this book really opened my eyes up to how I can see my where my failures came the first time around and I can see where I can correct things the second time around um, you know I, it's it's really shown me how how I need to treat my wife how how I need to treat my son and I can see where my dad neglected me in ways that his dad probably neglected him therefore I neglected Titus and uh, I just thank God for the opportunity and the chance to redeem myself with Tobias and it's crazy because I've got two sons and a stepdaughter. And uh, I can see in my stepdaughter's life the lack of attention from her biological father and what it does to her. Uh, and uh, I know this book is a little controversial at times in the way he approaches things. And I think he approaches things a little harshly. Uh, from an intimate standpoint, but from a man needing to step up and be a warrior and, and, and stand firm for the faith and be the leader of his home. Uh, it's unparalleled the information you can get here. And, and, uh, I just hope to apply it and, uh, and let God move in my life. Okay. So just a quick overview, the author, John Eldridge, he tries to break down three universal truths that he believe is the key to a masculine heart in every man. Those three truths are every man must have a battle to fight an adventure to live and a beauty to rescue. This is the key to masculinity. I grew up an adventurer. My cousins, we have been on so many wild adventures, riding bikes, cutting down trees, ATVs and four-wheelers, jumping over creeks, running through the cow pasture, playing golf with my friends, playing paintball, football, sports. We just had such amazing experiences growing up. Through high school, was able to find the love of my life. And after high school, I went on to college and pursued a career in business. And I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And I think that's kind of what we're taught in culture. You go through high school, you graduate, you go to college. And I didn't really put much thought into my career path because it was just like, I've got four years, I've got to get this done. And Corey, what's the inscription you're going to have written on my tombstone? It was good enough. It was good enough. That's about, That was my mindset through college. Like, I've just got to get through. I don't, 
I don't have to be interested in something. I just got to get through, get done, get a, get a degree, get married, and get on with my life and live the American dream. And I found myself sitting in an office, a cubicle, whatever you want to call it, as an accountant. Successful, middle-class American, but I felt like I was dying on the inside because I didn't have a battle to fight. I didn't have that adventure to live. And I was so afraid that I was not going to be that man who could rescue my beauty, my wife, that she could look up to. I wasn't being that man that she could fall in love with. And that was a time in my life when I made a change, I changed careers, went back to college, became a teacher. And through this time, God was also leading me into the pastorate. That's when I became a pastor at Poplar Bluff. I was about 25 years old. And once I found my battle, once I found my adventure, once I started discovering myself, I realized that I could be that man who could rescue my beauty and hopefully that she could look up to. I'm not going to ask your thoughts on that, Corey, if you think I'm a knight in shining armor or anything. <laughs> oh, but you're not shining armor. <laughs> but anyway, those are the three main overviews, and I know I took up a little bit of time right there. But, Paul, just real quickly, give us your thoughts, quick overview of the book. I thought it was good about how, you know, we have to have that adventure and uh, we have to have that beauty to, to try to rescue. But the biggest thing is uh, becoming a warrior. Not being, not being set back. Uh, there's a line in there that says, you know, every man wants to be William Wallace up front with a big sword in his hand ready to lead the battle, but I'm in the fourth row back with a hoe, mm-hmm. you know, just with what, I, what I've got. I don't got much, but I've got a hoe, you know. Let's, let's change it to shovel. Shovel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a shovel. Yeah, I've got, a, a I've got a rake. I've got a rake, you know. Uh, hey, I'm just quoting the book, you know. So, I mean, yeah. But, but uh, I felt that he really touched uh, exactly where I felt in my life inadequate, uh, where I don't feel good enough. And I also think that, uh, that he does a great job pointing you to, to where you can just Center in and say, hey, this is who I am. This is where I belong. And, and like I preached last, I think it was Sunday night, we got to know who we are. You know, and this book calls us out to, hey, you got to know who you are in him, in, in Jesus. And it pushes you to know who you are. And when it does that, you're going to be a leader and you're going to lead by example with integrity. And when you when you change your career, you got to choose what makes you feel alive. Because if you don't feel alive, you're not going to be effective. And it, and it talks about over here that the spiritual life, we cannot make it suburbia. Suburbia is comfortable. Suburbia is where every man goes because they feel like that's what they're supposed to do. That's the American dream. By the world standards. We're you fitting know, into a mold there. We're asleep in safety. Again, we're asleep in safety. We embrace comfort because we're rich in the American dream tradition. We've become domesticated. We've become domesticated. We're soft. Mm. we're soft you know paul there's a a comment that people shared when they shake my hand at church they'll say you've got the softest hands you really have soft hands babe (laughs) (laughs) that is not what a man wants to hear you got you've got soft hands i want to hear people say you're rugged you're manly you you know (laughs) you're burly I, I, i don't people don't say that about me very often so uh, but Paul, we've had we've we've had this conversation many many times. Do you think that we were created 
for a nine to five job? No. 40 hour work week? No. We were created for an adventure. Yes. We were created to fight the battles. So let me ask you this. You've, you've, we have talked about this. Paul, what stirs your heart? What brings you to life? Getting things done, completing things, making sure. I was thinking about that last night. I was reading, making sure things get handled, making sure things, uh, you know, people are provided for, people are taken care of. My biggest passion uh, is just making sure everybody's satisfied and everybody's happy because that's, that's what I want to do. That's, that's my adventure. Be, hey, look, I've got you. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. I got it. And How about uh, this, Paul? Maybe used by saying that is providing a safe place. Yes. Safety. Yes. Giving your family safety. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, you've got to fight battles. Oh, definitely. Every in order day. to do that, you've got to go to work and, and, and make sure that everything's prepared. Yep. So, Sherry, just real quick, how about you? Give us a real quick overview. And this is not exactly the direction that we planned on going, but we're in it now. So let's just roll with it. Just your thoughts real quick on the book and just a quick overview. Okay. There's two things that stood out to me. <clears throat> validation was one and i think men maybe more than women yes more than women are seeking validation whether it's in your job with your family you know your work and and just in every part of your life i think you're seeking validation that you're good enough that you're uh strong enough and just different things but validation and um i also thought passion stood out to me and there's so many different forms of passion whether it's uh, a sexual passion a passion for what you're doing and if you don't have that passion for what you're doing you're usually not validated mm. so those you know i can see that, that stood out to me i can see that in lincoln mm-hmm. and jasper they and even gus they are seeking validation from me and their mom yes they want somebody to tell them that they're doing a good job mm-hmm. or they want somebody to say, keep going. Missy, let me ask you this question. We have a tendency to tell men or boys what they ought to be or what they ought to do. You've got four boys. Do the Carter boys fit the mold? If you say, now, boys, you ought to be this. You ought to go to college and get your degree and work a nine to five job and fit the mold and fit the stereotype because we're trying to do that to boys. Tell us real quick about your, your thoughts on that. I would say absolutely not that they don't fit the mold. Um, I think early They're on. They're not supposed to. Right. Right. And I think early on as a mother, um, I tried to, because the, I wanted them to be seen as worthy men and worthy young boys in the world. Validate I would try, them? Yes. Validate You're trying them. to validate them. Absolutely. But I would try they to make have them, to find it themselves. Yes. I didn't mean to interrupt No, you you're fine. I would try to make them kind of fit a mold in the beginning. And I think as, as a mother, as women, we are very powerful in, in men's lives. We have the ability to inspire them and to teach them, or we can also crush that. And so can a father in a, in a, in a, in a daughter or a son's life. But I, I can recall times as the boys were growing up, like, for example, one time Colton uh, we talked about wanting to be a sniper when he grew up. <laughs> and in my mother's heart, you know, I'm like, whew, what a tough job. And, and I said, my response was, like in the military? And he said, oh, no, I'm not going to the military. And I thought, well, are you just going to kill people? I mean, so you're going to be a sniper? And so I I treaded this ground, yes, very carefully. And I'm like, so what do you mean by that? And he's like, like, you know, be on top of buildings and just pick people off. Mm -hmm. 
I thought, am I raising a serial killer? Um, and I so I, you know, I dug deeper, and he's like, you know, people will come to me and they'll tell me the bad guys' names, and I'll be up there and I'll take them out of this world with my gun. And I thought, dear heavens, that's not what in my mind as a mother I wanted you to become, but that's your heart's desire. So we would find him on the front porch or out in the yard with his BB gun at eight years old with his tripod on the end trying to kill the cattle out in the field. Luckily, BB guns didn't (laughs) harm the cattle, Um, but he had that desire. He had that wild spirit in his heart to do something um, in his mind that was grand and great. And I said, you know, there are avenues for that in this world. Um, there, there are FBI men that do what you talked about. Mm-hmm. There are secret service agents, but I told Calvin, I said, we ha- yeah. yes, I said, we have to mold that if that's something, an area that he's interested in. So as a mother, you know, sometimes even as teenagers, they would come to us and say, tell us these outrageous stories. And I always somehow turned it into a lecture. And I thought you are, you are not helping this child become a warrior. You are trying to be like, oh, that's great, but here's what you should have done, or here's what you should have said. And one time one of the boys was telling me this outrageous story, and I I saw the light in his eyes as I was turning this into a lecture. I thought, I can't crush this warrior spirit. I can't crush this desire. So I think as mothers and fathers, we need to foster that because that turns into men who want to continue to be warriors in the workforce, mm-hmm. in their homes, with their families. So I think it's very important what we say. And, and this book hits home in several areas that we need to um, allow those men to have that little bit of a wild spirit and adventurous spirit and tame it to the point of keeping them alive, but still allow them to have that adventurous wild spirit so that it can transfer over into other parts of their life as, as men. Yeah. That's beautiful. Corey, how about you? What are your thoughts just real quickly on the book? Positives, negatives. I'm going to have more of a negative response. I did not, I did not enjoy the book as much. Um, there's some things I agree with, but there's some things that I disagree with. And, um, I think that the reason this speaks so much to you men and me not being a man, man, I can can view it a little bit more critically, but I feel like you guys, you like the big pep talk before the game. You like to be, you have your egos boosted and you like to be told you're a big, strong man and you're going to be such a good sniper. You're going to be such a good ball player or whatever. Yeah, that's ego, masculinity, testosterone. Yes, I, I mean, that's, and I feel like the that's part of it, right, Paul? It's a huge just... ego, testosterone, ego boost. Like, that's, it's like speaking to men. So not being a man, I was like, I was rolling my eyes at times thinking, oh, my gosh, give me a break. Um, but I was continuing to read, and I feel like overall the most, the biggest problem I had with the book was that it's trying to be, it's trying to be a, um, it's trying to teach biblically his views and his theories, and I feel like these are mostly just his views and his theories. And if it was his views and his theories, then I could probably get behind this book and be like, yeah, I'm a mom of boys, and I've got a husband, and I can agree with you. But because he's trying to teach it biblically, I don't agree with the way he approaches it sometimes. I feel like it gets a little misleading and it's a little dysfunctional, actually. I feel like he probably has a lot of um, abandonment issues, and maybe he resents his mother because of that. I don't know, but I don't feel like he... I feel like that's that was coming across more loudly and clearly to me than anything positive. And that was one of the negative comments about the book, is that he 
does take scripture. John Eldridge does take scripture and kind of he turns it into what he wants it to say. He he kind of misrepresents the context of certain scriptures. Did anybody else notice that, or did anybody else find that, or maybe you was like, "No, I totally disagree," because the scripture really lined up for me. Just real quick, everybody's thoughts. I, I saw that a little bit in here. Sometimes I disagree with a few things that he stated, but I kind of see it differently than than Corey sees it, because I think he's. I feel like he's trying to say, even though there's some things in here that I was I kind of doubted or thought, wow, that's odd. Like Moses in the wilderness, I think sometimes our young men aren't willing to be in the wilderness and fight and come out. And what I think what he's saying, or a part of what he's saying is, we need to nourish that more in our society instead of keeping that calm and in a box, allow some of that to occur. He may be living some of his like you said, Corey, some of the issues that he may have, he may be trying to live that out. But I also do think that he, you know, there are men in the Bible that lived in the wilderness that had to be wild and had to be warriors and had to rise up and had to step up. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what he's saying is that it's okay to, to do that. And, and that's not what I disagree with. I disagree with, like, for one thing, he says um, that God loves wildness. Well, okay, He's, and he uses, his examples are thunderstorms, killer whales, man-eating lions, and destruction. Well, did he create that in the Garden of Eden, or did that happen after sin? That's not how God intended it. So right. does God love that, or is it just a consequence of sin? So, I mean, to say that's, that's not a good example, that's not biblical. Mm-hmm. Or, gosh, the one that got me, oh my gosh, I was rolling my eyes, was... You have some very strong opinions here. I do. Here. I do. I was. I would get aggressively angry at this book, and I would even fuss at Roman, and I'd turn and look at him at night, and he would already. This be is asleep. turning into a therapy session for you. <laughs> he'd be asleep, and I'd be like, "I'm going to fuss about this book." No, the one thing that really got me was that Adam was created in the outback, as he puts it, was created outside the Garden of Eden in the wilderness, and then he created Eve. He says this at the beginning. He created Eve inside the garden from Adam's rib. So Eve is where she belongs in the house barefoot in the kitchen. And (laughs) Adam belongs outside. And he was saying that Adam has always longed to be outside the garden because he wasn't created inside the garden. He's always, and that's where his wildness comes from. Well, if you put it that way, then God cursed Adam the day he was made. Not, that's, that's not right. It, Adam chose to sin, and that's that's where that's where it went wrong. Not when God created him. I don't know. That just that that bothered me so much. I was like, why is this being? Why is is it Charles Spurgeon? Why is he so behind this? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Paul, after a long day of work, you're tired, Heather's tired, or maybe even after church on Sunday afternoon. Everybody's got to eat. So where are you going? I'm going down to see Juan and the family at Senor Lopez, 105 Mecca Pike, Teleco Plains, Tennessee, where the food is fresh and the family is welcome. Come home for dinner at Senor Lopez.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'll tell you this, if we all surrender to our insecurities and self-doubt, can I do this? Can I accomplish this? It will drive us mad. It will overwhelm us. It's taxing. It's taxing to the point of, you know, God, you've given me this beautiful thing called a family, and I've got to somehow, some way, try to figure this out, and in the same moment, totally let go of who I am and trust that you're going to take care of it. But at the same time, I've got to take care of it. I mean, it's very taxing this week. Just, just this week I was in my truck and everything. And I'm just like, and I normally hold up pretty good, but with everything, you know, with, with what's going on with, with my family and, and works being nuts. And I mean, our society is crazy at the moment. And I, I about just had a breakdown. And, and, and the one thing I do like about the book is he very emphasizes a ton on having conversations with God. And I don't have enough conversations. And to become a warrior, you've got to learn your leader. You've got to talk to him and tell him how you really feel. What do you want me to do? How can I do this? Help me trust you. You created me to go. You created me to provide. But at the same time, I've got to totally rely on you, even though I'm a handler of business. Okay, so let's just go this way. We have men who are who are wild at heart, who want to fight the battle, who want to go on adventures, who have a beauty to rescue. But once a man becomes a father, there is a responsibility to his children. He, once a man gets married, he has a responsibility to his wife. I was speaking to a lady at work the other day, and she was talking about the impact of fathers in the home. So let's just try to stay here for a second. Missy, I read a statistic that said 71% of truancy cases in schools are from a fatherless home. I would agree. I mean, obviously it's a statistic, so, the, but I yeah. see that. But the impact of a fatherless home means kids may or may not go to school. Teenage pregnancy. A teen is seven times more likely to become pregnant if a father is absent from the home. Children are more likely to have behavior problems if a father is absent from the home. Kids are more likely to commit crimes if a father is absent from the home. So here's the thing. Once a man becomes a father, a husband, he has a responsibility to his family. And, and see, this is where the war happens, Paul. Because we now must provide for our wife or families. We've got to take care of them and, and, cre- and keep them safe. But at what cost? Do we have to set aside our own ambitions and desires? And what happens is men start to slowly kind of die inside. Yeah. But then you have those other men who say, well, I want a wife and I want kids. But then they're absent from the home. Mm-hmm. And they go out and they party on the weekends or they go out and they find, you know, 
a mistress on their business trip or they're unfaithful because they're living those adventures. They're, they're fighting those battles. They're finding that beauty to rescue and their home is suffering as a result. So we have to find balance. And again, it goes back to what is God's design for us? Men are constantly searching for something. Men are constantly searching. You said it key. We have to find the balance. I remember, um, I traveled, I mean, I played music for a long time, but I traveled consistently for seven years, 240 shows a year. I mean, that, that was a ton. I mean, we were all over the country and some things happened. And, uh, my son, he was four years old and we finally made it, Sherry. We signed a record deal with a record label in Atlanta. We were cutting the album. We had a three month tour booked. We, we were actually finally going to live our dream, our adventure. We were going to do this. And I'll never forget, uh, when all that happened, Missy, uh, I was driving down the road and my first wife had, had left and we were, we were leaving in like two weeks. And this is where it solidified me that God is about family. I knew that if I left, I'd never see Titus again. I knew that Corey. And I asked the Lord, I said, look, if you want me to go and sing and preach your word, I'll go. I said, but if you want me to stay home and raise my son, I'll do that too. So I need you to decide because I know it's, it's such a conflict that I've worked for so long to get this that I don't know what I'll do. This is how faithful and true he is when you obey him and, and, and have conversation with him and lay it at his feet and let him choose the correct path. When you trust him enough to let him choose, the next day two guys quit and I've never played again. My son was four years old. He'll be 19 next week. But it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I learned how to be a father. And I get a chance to correct the mess-ups I made. That's the reason I really like the ending of this book is it points you in that direction. Conversation, submission to the father. Find what makes you alive. you know. And it took years it took years for me to find what makes me alive. And I can finally say that where I'm at now in my life, I feel alive again. Mm. In the last year and a half, I feel alive. All hell's come against me to try to deter me and, and, and make me quit and give up. But I feel alive. Getting up this morning to get ready for this, I felt alive. I woke up without an alarm, Paul. Mm. I was excited. Yeah. You know, and, and ladies, if y'all are ready to talk, I know Missy's like a lioness over there. She's ready to pounce. Come on, but we, we oftentimes the enemy makes us think that the battle to fight is a physical battle, but it's really a spiritual battle. And once every man discovers in his heart, what God has created him to do, the beauty to rescue is his wife. And here's the thing. I don't want to portray women as helpless and needing men to rescue them okay disney done an excellent job of indoctrinating young girls and young boys in the you know 60s 70s and 80s into thinking that women were helpless and that the boys had to rescue them. prince charming but that is not the case we find that women are fierce women are strong women are capable and so guys it's not that this woman needs you to rescue her but she needs you to go to take her on this adventure with you. Would you guys agree? Yeah. 
I can agree with that, yeah. I'm going to make you elaborate. Can you? <laughs> I mean, the statement of beauty to rescue, I did roll my eyes. That was another point toward ridiculousness for me. Um, and it's not biblical at all. Um, but I agree with what you're saying. I agree that, um, yeah, women are strong. Women can be strong, and women are fierce. I mean, we all are. We have to be, especially a, a moms of boys. I mean, we're right there with <laughs> yeah, them. No joke. Um, but, yeah, I, I know my place as, as a Christian woman in the home, and I know that you are the head of our home, you, my husband. Um, you are the head of our home. You're the head of our household, and that we look to you. And I know my, I'm not going to, I don't want to be the, the feminist that's like, oh, well, I can do anything a man can do. We have our place, and it says that it says so in the Bible. But um, I, as far as his statement, I'm not, I'm not on board with, with all that. But I get what he's trying to say. I get where he's headed. I, get, I understand what he's trying to say. But, it, but, Corey, I've been having to fight for your heart. We've been married now for how many years? 16 years. 16 years. We've known each other. I know that. I knew it. I just... I have to get you involved, okay? You should have said it first, Roman. You should have said it first. We, Roman, we've been man. together for like, what, 19, 20 years? You know, so we kind of know each other. And kind of. And, and you've, you've got to know me. I've got to know you. And sometimes our marriage can just kind of grow stale. Sherry, you've been married. How many years you've been married? 47. 47. Two weeks. Goals. Yeah. Missy, how many years have you been married? 26. Okay, now, you guys can... Give us a little wise counsel. Paul, how many years have you been married? Twelve. Twelve. So, I mean, you're, would you all agree with the statement that sometimes your marriage can grow kind of stale and bland? Is that true? Yes. Yes, it, get, it gets quiet sometimes and just... Uh, I mean, Missy, those peaceful moments? I mean, <laughs> those, those moments where your marriage is like, well, we're together, but I don't even know if he loves me anymore. Is that your happy place? Or are you like, mm. no, I, let's do something wild. Let's do something yes. crazy. Find sparks. Let's go, let's find a spark. Let's go on an adventure. That's the beauty to rescue right there. And that's the adventure of life. And when you find out something, Sherry, you and Carson are been 47 years. That's incredible. Yeah, we've been together over about 50. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and you have times in your life, though, that you have those flat times. It's not going to always be... Of course, we know that all of us do. If you've been married a year, you know yeah, that's true. It's not always <laughs> going to be a bed of roses, and you have a flat time. And I can remember at ten years uh, thinking, "Are we going to make it through this?" At that time, uh, and that's when we really in church and praying about it and saying, "Yes, this is worth fighting for," because at that time we already had three kids. And not just for the kids, but just like Roman said, when the family is split and you don't have a father, which I can say that too about a mother, if you didn't have a mother, mm-hmm. of people that have had mothers that had died when they were young. And, and there is mothers that go off and leave just like, not as much as fathers, but uh, that aren't in the picture. And, you know, we chose to bring those three kids in the world. Now, are we just going to give up on, on this unit as a family? Easily, or are we going to fight for it? So you fight for it, and you work through those times. Mm-hmm. And you just know they're going to happen from time to time, and you're not going to give up. Like validation. We talked about validation in, in young boys, and 
that desire for their father to validate or their mm. mother to validate their thoughts and their their things that they think is important. Because one of the boys can walk in and say, hey, I've thought about purchasing this or doing this. And if Calvin's response is an eye roll or a huff, I can see it on their face. It's like, oh, well, forget it. Just forget it. If you yeah. If dad doesn't, he can not even say a word. But just forget it. Okay, I won't do it. I won't do it. It's fine, fine. And Calvin's like, I didn't even say anything. And I'm like, <laughs> he saw you. Mm-hmm. And so we've had to train and pause and be like, okay, let's think about this. And we've had to, ha- because that, it, it does, it can either crush or uplift those young warrior ideas in this world that they have. But what Corey's saying too, I, I want to touch on that, Corey, because I do agree with the fact that it's not always a woman's place to continue to validate the the men and and be like okay this is great you're going to do wonderful that ego boost that has to come from within and the relationship yeah. and the conversations you have with god because you have to sometimes do that for a woman um, but then when i look at boys and raising the boys i do feel like as a mother that is my job to validate and to uplift and to say yes okay mm-hmm. if you want to be a sniper i'm going to buy you a gun now let's <laughs> train with it you know form it in that proper way um, and not not crush and defeat that because I want my men to grow up and fight for their marriages and fight for their jobs and fight for their children and fight for their communities and in in godly ways and in ways that are appropriate but um, sometimes I I want them to stand strong and I think that um, having that warrior spirit and not diminishing that at a young age and in those middle school tumultuous middle school years and teenage years um, helping flourish that so that they can learn and and grow into adulthood that way. Well said. I just think that man or woman, whatever makes you feel alive, dive into it. That's the key. I that's really think the that's the key, right? You know, whatever makes you feel alive, dive into it. Be fruitful and multiply the blessing out of that. I think we've all felt like we had to fit a stereotype. We do not have to fit the mold or stereotype of someone else god paul made you wild and crazy that's you, true you are an <laughs> emotional basket case that's true yes i am. okay yep and i think the world tries to suppress that but god didn't make you that way you know what we try to do to those kids with adhd give them medicine so that they'll be like everybody else if god designed them did he want them to be like everybody else you know, those kids in school, Missy, this is why we all have problems with standardized tests. Because if the, the standardized test is this, let's judge everybody's ability on how they can climb a tree. Well, how does the fish feel? <laughs> the fish can't climb the tree. If we can just appreciate and celebrate each person's individuality. Yes. And once you recognize what you were put on this world to do, You have a heavenly father and a creator who made you to do something great that God has given you a battle to fight an adventure to live a beauty to rescue. That can all be summed up in this discover your purpose and the world's going to try to tell you you're, you're supposed to make money or you're supposed to buy things and have great adventures by seeing the world or accumulating stuff. I think we're going to find out that you can't, that pleasure only lasts for a little while. You can only have so much money. 
you can only have so many life experiences. It's the deep things of the heart. When you find true love, true purpose, true community, you can only find that in Christ. So let's kind of wrap this thing up. Let's close it. Uh, Missy, give us your closing thoughts or just anything left that you have over there to, to share. I'll end with, with this. Um, the other day, Major had come home, and, you know, he's 17 years old and a, and a young testosterone field, young boy, athletic and very smart and intelligent. And he was telling something about that had occurred at school or, or um, in his life. And I was giving that motherly advice that I like to kind of do and tame and help and mold. And, and I was uh, saying, you know, maybe look at it this way and this approach. And I said, God wants this, and this is what God expects in our life. And he said to me as I was kind of walking out the door, we kind of ended the conversation. And he said, Mom, God also gave me um, – a strong will and a desire and know the words that I need to use. So I'm going to do it that way too. And I thought, you know, that is true. God gives us, we're all very different and God asks different things of each of us and God gives each of us different battles to fight. And sometimes we have to stand before people, um, stand before a school board when you're worried to death. Uh, God stand before your wife, stand before your community, um, sit quietly in your home and, and fight a battle that, that you know, others may not know about, and I think that God gives each of us um, our own battle and our own desire and ways that we're going to approach and we're going to fight that battle instead of molding it into what everyone in the world thinks it should be. So, Missy, would you recommend the book, Yes or No? Yes, I would. I think it's going to spark some things in you, and I think you're going to have some disagreements, and I think you're going to have some, some uh, insight on it, too. What if it's for a mother raising daughters? I, I think it could be for anyone to read. Um, Sherry, closing thoughts, takeaways. Something that uh, Paul said stuck with me, and he touches on it, and here's our conversations with God. And I think I fail that a lot of times, even at my age and my experience in life, is trying to do things on my own instead of having those conversations with God like I need to. And not just in prayer, like he said, just conversations. And, you know, I take that away from there. I wasn't real wild about the book. I'd probably give it a 2.5 out of, out of 5. So I'm so on the fence. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you don't have anything else, if you don't have anything else to read, read yeah. this book. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> sort of, because I, not at this time, I'm not that way. But at times I have been, I'm going to read whatever's there if it's the back of a cereal box. But, <laughs> so if that was the only book I had to read, I would. And, I, and I've read worse. Okay. <laughs> All right. Corey, closing thoughts. Um, overall, I guess, Raising Boys, I can understand where he's coming from. But as a biblical teaching device, I would disagree with it. Um so, therefore, I would not recommend this book. I find it contradictory, um, and I find it misleading as far as a biblical teaching tool. Um, if it was not biblically referenced at all, then, then yeah, it's a very much of a humanism point of view, um, and I think then, then the book would be fine with all of its movie references and random quotes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we like those movies. That's not a bad thing. But to teach, to use it as a teaching device to Christians and to Christian men, I don't agree with it, and I would not recommend it. 
Ouch. Paul. I would recommend it for this reason, because it's what it did for me. It helps you find the wound that made you the way you are in a negative point. While you're timid, while you're afraid, uh, while you're not bold, while you're wishy-washy, it made me really sit and think, how did I get here and why? And when I found that in my conversation with God, I am now addressing it. Lord, help me to overcome this shortcoming that was handed to me, this thing that I was dealt because somebody in my life didn't follow you and have conversation with you when I needed it at this point. So that being said, to find your wound and and address it with the father, I would say yes. Um, I would recommend the book. It's not my favorite book. The chapters are too long, but, uh, and I think at times he rambles, but I would recommend the book just for that sense. So in closing here, as a father, I know I never thought about this until I became a dad, but I want to keep my kids safe. I don't ever want them to have any hurts or pains. I never want them to get sick because every time they get sick, I'm just praying over them. God heal them. Lord, don't let this cough be too bad. They got a fever. Jesus, take care of them. You know, Missy, you got to see my boys up at the high school one time when Jasper split his lip. Calvin came to the rescue. Yes. And Calvin came to the rescue and super glued his, we super glued his lip shut. Uh, we had to fix it. He bleed like a stuck pig. Whatever. But it's like, my child's going to bleed out. Oh, you know, we don't want him to ha- ever He's hurt again. He's scared. I'm over it's fine. We're fine. It's fine. But I think everybody would agree. We want to protect our kids. But what we don't realize is when we try to protect them, what we're actually doing is we're hurting them because they've got an adventure. You going to say something real quick? Hindering growth is what I was going to say. When you said we're hurting, I think we hinder growth sometimes. Yeah. We, we hinder their growth. And, and Missy, I, I think I've even seen where, is it? Oh, Popper. Is Popper doing the, van, uh, the, the bus? The bus and the, the uh, camper and another project and, Sawmill now and okay kinds of projects. But you know what would happen if you told him, don't do that, son. That's not God's plan for your life. You can't do that. Um, go get a job at JTEC. <laughs> Be like everybody else. If he did what you wanted to try to please you as your mother, because I did that as a kid. I wanted to please my mom and dad. I wanted to go play football somewhere. And I had opportunities to play collegiate sports. But I didn't because mom and dad didn't want me to. And that created a lot of self-doubt in me. A lot of insecurities that I had to wrestle with. And Corey will tell you, I wanted to go to the military. You remember this, Corey? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And when my career was falling short, when I was sitting in that cubicle, felt like I was dying on the inside. I was like, this is happening. I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. The first time they asked you to eat ketchup, you didn't do it. Listen, I realize that I'm soft, and I probably would have washed out, and it would have probably been a huge mistake. But no, you wouldn't have. Well, yeah, I think that I'm pretty tough too. You know, I've walked. I, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to talk about my my <laughs> toughness in here, but I want to find that inside. That's what I want. 
I want to be challenged. I want to find my limit. I want to know that point of fear. Are you going to yield? Or are you going to push on? That's what I want to find in my life. And I'm, I'm, I'm still finding that even as a 37-year-old man. And we have to develop that in our children, especially boys. Boys need that. Boys want that point of fear. They want to find that risk. Every, every boy does. And so I'm going to leave you with this. Training wheels. As a parent, you never, you always wonder, are they ready? But that moment that you finally take the training wheels off, and what's that thought when you give them that first push? Are they going to wreck? Are they going to be okay? But when they finally do it, and they finally have that moment of, look, mom, look, dad, I'm doing it. And they, they've learned how to ride without training wheels. Or how about floaties? Corey, what did we teach Gus to do this past summer? Oh, we learned to swim. He was so nervous, wasn't he? But once he did it. Now he's just like a little water dog. He, you can't make him put him on. <laughs> so if we're not going to be out there, I need you to put that on. He won't do it. So here's, here's the thing. Here's what I want to leave you with. Men have got to learn to work through fear. To, go, to, to believe in themselves and go on that adventure and realize that we can overcome. You're more capable than you ever thought you could be. You were smarter than you ever thought you were. You can do this. Do what makes you feel alive. Now, now there's an enemy out there who will try to seduce you and make you think this is the road that you should take. But seek God. And if you seek the Lord with your whole heart, you'll find him. Everybody good? Closing thoughts? Everybody good? Anything else good? One more thing to say? Well, boom. That's going to do it. This has been Wild at Heart. I recommend the book. I enjoyed the book. I want to encourage you to pick it up for yourself. Base your own opinion. But I want to encourage all of our listeners out there, go do what makes you feel alive. Be wild. God bless you. We love you guys.